my good buddy Fritz, he, he's never one not to want to teach somebody something he knows how to do. 24 years ago, I learned how to ski. Yesterday, I went for the second time in my life. I had never seen Fritz laugh so much in my whole life. No, Jackie, it'll be okay. Just follow me. But Fritz, I don't know how to turn. I don't turn. Don't worry. Just come with me. <laughs> he called it a yard sale every time I hit the ground because my skis were all over the place, poles everywhere, losing goggles off my head. I don't know how I survived. Somehow we got through the day. We had a great time. Actually, it was a lot of fun. Uh, some, something happened at noon. I guess I got tired of Fritz having to help me get up, so I stopped falling down after that. But, <laughs> but I also stopped following him on them crazy hills he's trying to take me down. But I got to tell you, <laughs> I one of the breaks, I took a break, and, and Fritz was out racing them young kids. They had a slalom going with the, the three- to six-year-olds. <laughs> I thought he was going to win, but, uh, <laughs> but when he finished that, he, he come down to the, to the bottom of the, of the hill by where the lodge was, and he sh- shouted out to me, Jackie, you ready? And I said, yeah, I'm ready. You know, I, I had let the, the bruises fully stop bleeding before I went back up on the hill, so I said, yeah, I'm ready. So I, I snapped up, grabbed my stuff, I headed down the stairs, and Fritz is gone. So I go walk over to the skis, and I turn around. There he is in a big pile in the middle of the wood pile. I said, Fritz, what are you doing in the wood pile? I'm just doing an inspection down here on, uh, on <laughs> the foundations of the building. <laughs> Apparently, I missed it. But at, while he was talking to me, he slid down the hill into the woodpile. <laughs> I would have really enjoyed seeing more of that, but but we had a great time. We had a lot of fun. God's good, and and uh, I I don't have any body parts pointing the wrong direction after all that. Well, today we're going to be in First Corinthians chapter eleven. So if you got your Bibles with you, we invite you to open up and and check it out with us as we continue going through. I, I love the book. Uh, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, because it's about real life. It's about real church. And, and the sooner we understand in real church we have real problems, the better we're going to be. And that's what's going on there. And basically what they've done is they've written to Paul, and they've had, they have questions. Hey, what about this? What about that? You may remember the last couple of weeks we've been talking about liberty. And, and that's going to come up here and there as we continue to go through the book. But that concept of while I'm free to do something, I also have to consider whether or not that's good for me, good for those around me, for those who are watching, or if it brings glory to the Lord. And he gives us these guidelines to help guide us. Listen, we're not going to face the specific issues that they faced. You and I are not going to have a problem about whether or not we should buy meat sacrificed to an idol. But that was a problem for them. The formula for solving that problem still applies to us you may be free to do all things but don't let something that you want to do or or something that you feel like doing be that which causes a brother or sister to stumble so we want to in all that we do do everything as unto the lord 
that we're living our lives, you, me, all of us, making a choice to live our lives in submission to God. Now, Wednesday nights, we've been studying the, the book of Leviticus. And as we've been going through Leviticus, some people say, why are you studying Leviticus? But as we go through Leviticus, here's what you discover. That God cares about everything in your life. Cares about what you eat. Cares about what you wear. Cares about where you go. That means that God is a personal God and the little things in our lives matter to him. I remember that it was kind of mind-boggling to me when my father told me I was, I was at a little league game and uh, our oldest boy was playing little league and I didn't want to coach so somebody else was coaching and, and uh, so there wasn't the instruction happening across the board that I thought should, should have been taking place. And, and my dad, while I was sitting there, and I wasn't, you know, complaining. I was just telling my dad, you know, it'd be good if they could spend a little more time with these kids on these aspects of the game while they're young. So when they're older, they have it down. And my dad said, well, do you pray about it? What do you mean do I pray about it? How, you can't pray about baseball. And my father said to me, now, do you, being your son's father, care about his experience in baseball? Well, yeah, sure I do. What makes you think your father in heaven cares less? And I remember beginning to realize from that point that God wants to be involved in every aspect of our life. So often, when we're walking with the Lord, we, we've got God, you know, we'll set aside Sunday and we'll say, hey, Lord, this is your day. But he doesn't just want Sunday. He wants Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, he wants it all. He wants to be a part and involved in everything that we're doing. So God wants us to, to realize and recognize that he has some, some concepts that we need to apply that we need to make a part of our life. And that's what he's doing for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You remember he begins, we, we, we talked about verse 1 last week, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's talking about what he was talking about in chapter 10. Hey, listen, doing those things which are going to please your brethren, please the Lord, those things are going to gratify, those things that are going to satisfy God's desire in your life. And then Paul says, now you follow me as I follow Christ. You do what I'm doing. Come with me. He wants us to have that attitude in the things we choose to do day in and day out. Can people follow us? I'm reminded of some of the things I did when I was younger and remembering my, my children coming up to me at one time or another and jumping up on my lap when they were little. They don't do this when now that they're old. Dad's not cool no more. But then... When your kids were little, they come up, jump up on your lap. Oh, Dad, I want to be just like you. And if some of us as, as fathers have experienced that, maybe you said the same thing I did. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. But the reality is we, we sometimes provide ourselves a little cop-out that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not perfect. You're right. You're not perfect. But God calls us to be holy, set apart to him. And the choices that we make, the things that we do in our lives, that we're following the Lord. And as we follow the Lord, then it's safe for people to follow us. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We want to get right behind the Lord Jesus Christ and move forward with him. And he says, now I praise you, brethren, 
that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. He's saying, listen, you guys are doing good. You're hearing the words that I have to say. You're listening to the letters that I've written to you. You're making the right adjustments. Hey, things are going good. He's going to move on now to another question that they have. Verse 3, but I want you to know the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. When we were going through the, or as we're going through the book of Leviticus, and as we're looking at all of these different areas and the, the dietary laws, and we talked about how the nation of Israel was blessed because as they followed the precepts that God gave them, none of the diseases that were, ran rampant through the Canaanite culture touched them. As they were obedient to God, things went well. But you and I, well, we'll go back through Leviticus and we'll read it, and we want to know all the whys. We want to know, why shouldn't I eat this? Why shouldn't I eat that? Why should I go to the left? Or why should I go to the right? And every time I hear myself saying that, I'm reminded that those were the first words of Judas. Judas Iscariot, the one who never gave his life to the Lord, never followed the Lord, ultimately betrays the Lord. What's he known for? Why? 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 The question that we should be asking ourselves is, even though I don't understand, will I trust God? Even if maybe I don't see how this works or why it has to be this way, will you follow the Lord? He is either God or He's not. He is either your Lord or He's not. And He wants to be your Lord and Savior. Not just your Savior, the one who saves you, but the one to whom you give yourself to obey. So when we consider what we're looking at and what we're going to take a look at today, ask yourself, am I willing to hear what God has to say? And a lot of people, when they look at this, they want to skip the beginning and go straight and start talking about relationship between women and men. So you're going to have to wait. We're not getting to that part yet. Because men, he said, the head of every man is Christ. Is your head Christ? Or is your head your head? Because that's the way it is in most men's lives. The Lord wants us to be submitted, men, to Him. Submitted to God. Given to Him. When we're making the decisions that we make every day, when we're moving forward with what God's calling us to do, men, are we submitted to God? Before we write down our plans and we've got our five-year plan or our 20-year plan or our 90-year plan on how we're going to be successful, is God in the equation? Is the Lord someone that we're calling out to? Is God, is Christ our head? Is He the one to whom we turn? Because that is the relationship that God calls for men. Christ is your head. That we are leaning to Him, asking Him for direction, asking Him for guidance, that He's a real part of our life. But so often, as is it the case these days, most of the spiritual issues within a family, most of the spiritual issues within a, a church body are done by women. Most of those that are teaching the children's church are going to be moms. Most of those who are, are going to be involved in one aspect or another will be the women. But 
Where are the men in the body? Where are the men that are saying, hey, I am focused on the Lord. God, where you're calling me, where you're directing me, that's where I go. Now, I'm not trying to guilt anybody into doing anything you're not called to do. But is Christ your head? Is he in charge? Is he just a Sunday thing? Or is he all week? Because that's what God is calling for. What we're going to see in this verse is that the Lord has developed not a, an issue of superiority or inferiority. He's not talking about who's better or who's worse. He's saying this is the chain of command according to God. This, these are the ones who are responsible I learned that in the military, what responsible means. Responsible means I'm the one standing on the carpet, not somebody else. When I stand before Almighty God, in that day when we face as believers what's known as the Bema Seat Judgment, when God judges those things, not for salvation, those things which we have done in His name, I will give account, men, for how I led my family spiritually. My wife won't give account for that because it's my responsibility. It's my choice to submit to the head and allow Christ to have headship in my life and to step up and fulfill that role. To step up and and fulfill that role in my family, to step up and fulfill that role in my community, to step up and fulfill that role in my church, in this world. You take a look at the world. You want to know why the world's sideways and kids are out of control? Where's dad? More than 50% of marriages uh, end in divorce one way or another. Most kids don't live with their fathers. When I was in youth group, I remember asking kids in youth group, everybody who uh, actually lived with their dad, raised their hand, and it was a minority of kids that were... In a, had a, that male influence in their life. Because men do this thing. Men do this thing where we only like to be involved in areas where we feel successful. And if I don't feel successful in something, or if I'm not sure about myself, I'll do something else. Hey, I'm made the same way. But God wants us to bring our lives, our abilities our strengths and our weaknesses and give them to him and allow him to raise us up, allow him to give us what we need to be what he's calling us to be. The next phrase he says is the head of woman is man. The Bible's going to go through the concept that what he's talking about simply is that man is and was created first and that woman was created to complete him. That man, the first thing God said that wasn't good. We all know it, right? Everything's good. Oh, this is nice. Look how pretty the trees are. Look at the little birds and look at the little critters. Oh, they're so nice. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. And he made man and said it's not good. <laughs> because man isn't complete. And so he made a helper comparable to him, one that would complete. Does that mean that God doesn't value women the same as men? No, it means in the hierarchy of responsibility, 
The man is responsible. When men go around and they talk about, yeah, you know, we'd still be in the Garden of Eden if Eve hadn't messed up. Well, you haven't read the scripture. The Bible says Eve was deceived, but Adam transgressed. Eve was deceived. She was fooled by the devil. Adam went in knowing what he was doing. That's where the fall came. That's where the fall came. And ever since that point, man has needed to step up and take responsibility and lead spiritually in the world. And we leave a vacuum. And I promise if you leave a vacuum, I don't mean this to sound like a pun, that just is happening. But if you leave a vacuum, women will step up and fill that role. I don't mean vacuuming. Okay, you guys with me? (laughs) I see all these quizzical looks like he's making fun of us. No. If men don't fulfill that role, women will step up. Happened in the Bible. Deborah was a judge. Why was she a judge? Because the man that God was calling wouldn't step up. She stepped in his place. It's not a judgment on Deborah nor on women. It's a judgment on men. Men, where are you at? Stand up. Fill that role. Ladies, your head, the one who is responsible over you, is your husband. He's responsible for you. He's responsible to provide. He's responsible to protect. He's responsible to watch over. And he is that the Bible says a man that does not care for his family is worse than an unbeliever. I don't know how harsher that could be stated. You're to fulfill that role of headship. Ladies, he's responsible. He's in that position. Not that you're inferior. But that he's the one that is to fulfill that. That's his role before God. God made us. God designed us. And God knows how we work best. And then, just so you'll understand that there's not an issue of inferiority here, what's the the third phrase of this verse? And the head of Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God. Yet he has submitted himself to the Father. He placed himself in submission to the Father. That doesn't make him less God. It's just in authority. Jesus, when he came, according to Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, he emptied himself, not of his deity, but of his own power to rely upon himself to do what he did. And he placed himself in submission to the Father, and the Father worked his perfect work through the Son. So Jesus... Jesus not inferior to the Lord, and, and, nor superior. And man's not superior nor inferior to the woman. This is the way God has laid it out. This is God's chain of command. Not to rule over anyone, but to be responsible for those for whom you are to be responsible. This is what the Lord is, is laying out for us. Every man praying or prophesying having his head covered, dishonors his head. Here's what he's talking about. Now, in the Jewish system, you wear a hat. You wear a hat to church. The the idea comes from Moses. When Moses went up the mountain and spoke with the Lord, and his face shone, and the people were tripping out because Moses had his face all glowing, he put on a veil. And so they say, "We we should wear a covering to honor Moses. But guys, the Bible tells us the reason Moses put on the veil was because the glory was departing. And he was trying to hide the reality that the glory of the Lord was departing from his face 
rather than trying to, to do that for, for a spiritual concept. It was all about not wanting people to think that he was falling away from the Lord until he was in the Lord's presence again. And so Paul says, listen, because you have authority by Christ, then there's no, you don't have the cover. Your head is Christ. Your head is Christ. When you pray and prophesy, stand up and accept the responsibility that this is my role. This is my place. This is what God is calling me to do. But then, every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Folks, before we get too far into it, did you see what he just said? The gifts are the same. Both the man and the woman are praying and prophesying within the body. Both the man and the woman are, are fulfilling a role within the body of Christ. It's not, he's not talking about what you do, but he is talking about the concept of modesty. In fact, we're going to get to that. Because the woman, cover her covering in Middle Eastern culture was her veil. She would wear a veil. There was only one woman who didn't wear a veil. And it just so happened in Corinth, there was this move of women's lib coming through the city. And the women were feeling liberated, and they were feeling free, and they were casting off all this societal issues that they had going on and they began to do things now you and i we we can't necessarily relate because it's not that way for us but the concept that you have to understand is for a woman to have taken off her veil in church was showing in that culture a lack of modesty that we can understand that a woman who's not willing to portray herself modestly dishonors her head her husband dishonors the one who is responsible for her because she's not willing to walk in modesty and this is a concept that he's laying out for her there her head is uncovered in that day in our day it would be someone who dressed in such a way as to bring attention the wrong kind of attention to themselves it was said when, when Kathy and I did youth group, we, we did a few purity conferences and we, we talked to kids. And one of the things uh, we had someone come and share, one of the things that they shared was if every woman or girl could hear the thoughts that are in a man's head when they wear this or that or depending on how they portray themselves, it would change everything they did. Because they can't imagine what's going on in the mind what's happening as a result now some people would say but i'm free i'm free in christ and you know what i'm casting off this veil and i'm i'm stepping out in the freedom that i have but what is it that paul said are you by your freedom going to cause your brother to stumble well that's his problem if he's got a problem with it it's his problem no it's not it's our problem and that's what paul is talking about hey we need to have an attitude of modesty an attitude of modesty especially in corporate worship for that one is the same as if her head were shaved oh what in the world is he talking about 
What is going on? He's saying if you take off your veil, it's just as though your head was shaved. One of the things going on in Corinth at the time with this uh, women's liberation movement that was happening within the city is that the, the women were shaving their heads. The temple prostitutes were shaving their heads. This was all a symbol to say no one controls us. We do what we want, how we want, when we want. And what the Lord is saying is, listen, are you willing to submit yourself to me? Men, are you willing to submit yourself to Christ? Women, are you willing to accept the role that God has laid out? It's not a role of a lesser role or a greater role. It's just, this is my part. There's a lot of things I'd like to be, but I'm not. Like, I'd like to have been able to keep up with Fritz on the hill. Instead of having the three-year-olds pass me and laugh all the way down the hill. Mommy, I passed that guy. Yeah, he's not very good, honey. I'd like that, but that's not who I am. Now, I spent all my time complaining about what I don't have or, or what I am not, or I can accept the role that God has for me. I can accept what the Lord has laid out for me. This is what he's talking about. Will you accept what the Lord has laid out for you? For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. Let her, is she willing to live her life in submission to the Lord? That's the question. Ladies, that's the question. Men, same question to you. Are you willing to submit yourself to the Lord and what God has laid out. But what they were doing in Corinth was an act of rebellion saying, no one is in charge of me. No one has the right to rule over me. And it was in rebellion against what God was, was trying to do in their lives. Are you willing to accept? Are you willing to receive <clears throat> what God has? For the covering of the woman spoke of her power, her honor, and her dignity. So when the Bible says she's uncovered, she's stripping off her power, her honor, and her dignity in rebellion against a system through which God wants to work in her life. We have to all ask ourselves that question, don't we? This is what God's word lays out for me. Am I willing to follow it? Am I willing to make God a part of my life? Am I willing to accept the role that God has for me? Whatever that role may be. And fulfill that call that, with which God has called us. In Galatians chapter 3 verse 28, it tells us that there is no difference between men and women in the eyes of God. There's no difference between slave and free. There's no difference between barbarian or Scythian. What's he talking about? You know, when Paul laid out the scripture, he didn't say, if you're a slave, you can't serve the Lord unless you're free. What did he say to be? Be the best slave you can be. If you're the master, he didn't tell him, throw away all your slaves. What did he say? Be the best master you can be, like Christ. He's saying, listen, in these roles that we have in life, do all things as unto the Lord. Can we accept it? Are we willing to accept that this is 
the place where I am right now is where God has placed me. I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. I want to fulfill the role where I am, where God has placed me, that we might do the things which God is calling us to do. He says then, listen, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but women, the glory of men. Listen, he's saying, men, your need to fulfill a role to be a spiritual head of your family means that you don't hide behind or step behind someone else, but you step forward and take responsibility. There's no covering. Remember, the concept of covering is a responsible person over you. You're the responsible person reporting directly to the Lord. And he says, women, listen, women, he lays out that Men were created in God's image. Now, all mankind is created in God's image. But woman was taken from where? Man's side, right? Not taken from his feet that she would be trampled on. Not taken from his head that she should lord it over him. But taken from his side that she would be protected, provided for, watched over, and cared for. Ephesians 5 calls every man what? To love his wife. Like Christ loved a church. And give himself for her. Fulfill the role for which we're called to fulfill. There's no one else that's supposed to take that responsibility for you. Men, that's our responsibility. That's what we do. For man is not from woman, <coughs> excuse me, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman. But woman for the man. Remember, the woman was created as a helper comparable to him. You know, the movie made it famous, uh, You Complete Me. But that first began in the Word of God. The woman completes the man. Makes him whole. My, My strengths cover Kathy's weaknesses. Her strengths cover mine. Together, we're a better whole than we are apart. We're complete. And that's what he's laying out. But in that completion, listen, I'm not to lord it over my wife or power it over my wife. I am to be her covering. You understand? I'm to be her provision, provider, protector. That's my role. Men, when we fulfill that role, we find satisfaction in a relationship. When we don't, we won't. And the same vice versa. Satisfaction is found in a marital relationship when that woman is loved and at his side, fulfilling, completing, uniting, coming together. Everything fits. Everything works. For this reason, he says, a woman ought to have, listen to this phrase, a symbol of authority. What's the symbol of authority? The symbol of authority in her life? He told us in verse 3, was her husband in the specific in this specific case it was the veil the veil that was worn that that attitude of modesty here i am to do the the lord's work but i want people to consider the lord not me i want people to see him not who i am so we're going to have this symbol of authority and then what's he say because of the angels kind of a strange phrase isn't it while we're looking at this in the way that you want to see it, consider the angels who watched one-third of their brethren fall 
Because one wasn't willing to have his head covered. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28 tells the story. Lucifer wanted to raise his throne above the Most High. He wanted to be worshipped. He would not allow God to rule over him. And as a result, one-third of their brethren fell. And so when the scripture lays out, because of the angels saying, listen, the angels experienced this. What happens when men or women, when people will not accept that God is their head, that the Lord is directing, that God has a plan, and I am to fulfill my part within the body? <clears throat> Everybody needs the part that each part, the work which each part supplies. I discovered that firsthand, skiing down a hill. I could only remember how to turn left. If they could have made that hill like a NASCAR track, I'd have been fine. But the problem is going down a hill, if you turn left, sooner or later, there's a tree. Now, everybody, Fritz would try to tell me, Jackie, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do. But my body wasn't cooperating. My mind got it. Okay, I'm going to put weight on, on my outside ski. I'm going to pick up my back ski, and then I'm in a big, giant pile. And, I'm, and I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out what's going on. What is happening? Because my body was, my right leg was trying to go left, and my left leg was trying to go right. Now, in skiing, that doesn't work. It doesn't really work in walking either. So what has to happen? My body has to fulfill. Each part has to fulfill its role. As soon as my stupid right leg started doing what it was supposed to do, everything worked out. So the same is, is that's what we need to recognize and realize in life, in how we function together, in how we fit together. God has a role. It's not lesser or greater. It is that role which is going to bring satiation or satisfaction into your life. It's going to fulfill you when we are willing to submit to that role that God has for us. That we fulfill it. That we do the work that God has called us to do. <clears throat> Scripture goes on. Now, nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. What's he saying? Hey, you guys aren't on your own. It's not like fellow guys go do what they want, women go do what they want. No. You're not independent of each other. You're to work together, function together. I'll tell you that the greatest lesson I ever learned was in my headship, my responsibility to lead my family didn't mean that I told my wife what to do. It meant that my wife, I was responsible to get together with my wife and we were responsible to pray and go the way that God leads us. The beautiful thing about a marriage <clears throat> excuse me, is that I have checks and balances. You guys realize that men can be wrong, right, fellas? We get that? I'm, I know your wives are looking at you right now. I'm sorry. But sometimes we're wrong. We just have to admit it. And sometimes Abraham was wrong. You know that, right, in the Bible? There was a time when God told Abraham to listen to his wife. There was another time when Abraham shouldn't have listened to his wife. So how do we know what to do? 
We come together. We pray. We're not independent of one another. We function as a unit, as a whole. And we move forward in that role. Well, what about otherwise? What about in other situations? Not marital situations. What about in the, in the workplace or in the church? It's the same thing. We come together. We pray. We, we receive the, the guidance of the leadership. We align ourselves with that team. We move forward. On my football team, if I had one coach that was telling everybody to do something different and the rest of the coaches that were doing everything the same way, I had a problem. So that coach would go away. This is the program. This is where we're moving. This is where we're going. Come with us or go away. And that's an attitude of submission, not independent. Don't run my own program. Don't do my own thing. We function together as a body, men and women, praying, leaning on one another, strengthening one another, helping one another. Because, folks, we cross the finish line because we cross it together, not because somebody's faster than someone else. <clears throat> we need to go together, going, moving in one direction. For as women came from man, even so man comes from woman, through the woman. But all things are from God. Listen, originally God created man first and then the woman. But ever since, man's come from woman. Woman comes from men. They're not independent of one another. They work together. And, and the important phrase as we look at this verse is that God, listen what he said. <clears throat> because the Lord... The Lord, all things are from Him. All things are from God. So fulfill that call. Fulfill that place. Whatever it is. If you are in a position, men, and you are to be submitted or you have a covering like you would at work, your boss, then you submit yourself under that covering for all things are from the Lord. And you fulfill that role. Ladies, the same thing. We fulfill the role that God has given us to fulfill. <clears throat> we meet what God is calling us to meet. He goes on now, judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? He's going to talk about the nature of things. Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it's a dishonor to him? Oh, if I could count all the sermons that were preached on this. <clears throat> no, that's not why I cut my hair. Here's what he's saying. According to the nature of things, if we do some careful study, this is what we discover. Men, your hair growth goes through three steps. <laughs> do you want to know what they are? Because <laughs> you're hoping to be able to fix it? <clears throat> Just so you know, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> Our hair goes through three steps. Growth. Rest, and the one we all love, fall out. <clears throat> Nature teaches us that in the man, that's a process that's going to happen in one degree or another to every man because of this little thing called testosterone. Now, you look at nature with women because of this little thing called estrogen. They don't go through the same process. What he's laying out for us is there is to be a distinction between men and women. 
Folks, if we are just now figuring out that we're different, there's something wrong with us. Right? Men and women are not the same. Paul, using this concept from from hair growth and how hair grows and, and, and ultimately one day falls out. But the point that he's laying out is there's a distinction between men and women. There's a distinction in nature between the male and the female. There is a role, even in nature, that the male fulfills, and there's a role that the female fulfills. And he's saying, listen, we see this distinction even in nature. We see this distinction all around us, and that same distinction is evident within a relationship with Christ. There's a role for each of us to fulfill. Let let us be willing to fulfill that role. Now, I'm sorry if if your dad tells you, listen, the Bible says you have long hair, it's a dishonor, so cut your head. Or not your head, your hair. Yeah, the Bible also says children obey your parents, so cut your hair. I remember a guy coming and sharing at church one time. He said, you know, my son, he's 16 years old, he's getting his license. And, but he's got long hair. And this particular father, he's like, man, I just don't really like long hair. So I told my son, son, listen, you cut your hair, and I'll, I will give you a car. You don't cut your hair, I'm not going to give you a car. And his son thought about that for a while. Thought about it. And he says, Dad, can I talk to you? Sure, son, let's talk. He says, Dad, I was thinking about Jesus. And I looked in the Bible. Do you know he had long hair? Dad, Jesus had long hair. And that's why I have long hair. And his dad said, that's okay, son. Jesus walked everywhere. Be careful the examples you pull out of the Bible, right? <clears throat> so what Paul is pointing to again is attitude of nature, that there, are a, 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 there is a distinction between male and female. For he created them male and female. We are different, not the same. Right, guys? If a guy says, I have nothing to wear, he means, I don't got nothing clean. If a woman says, I got nothing to wear, she means, I got nothing new. Not wrong, just different. That's okay. There's a difference. And we, we should realize it's okay that we're different, that it's not the same, that that's the way that God intends it to be. Well, let's take a look as he continues on. Now he says, but in verse 16, but if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. What's he talking about? He's saying if somebody is, just wants to argue about it, we don't have contentiousness within the church if you just want to argue see you later we don't want to argue about it we just want to fulfill the role that god's laid out for us not better just different we're going to fulfill what god has called us to do if any of you is contentious we don't have such customs nor do all the other churches we don't want this backbiting and fighting and bitter rivalry going on within the body it's a question of Will you submit to God? Well, God told me I can't eat lobster. Well, it says that in Leviticus. Well, I don't know why. So I'm not listening to him. 
I'm going to go eat all the lobster. I, I like lobster. But if God told me, Jackie, no more lobster for you. All right. In essence, he moved me to Idaho. It's a lot harder to get lobster in Idaho. <clears throat> Can I accept that ruling because he's God and I'm not? That's the way he's directing me. Will I accept it? For the children of Israel, was there a reason? Yeah, there was a reason. Because there were certain times when they could harvest it and other times when they couldn't. And if they didn't know when to do it and how to prepare it, they'd get sick and have the same diseases that were rampant among the other people. Did the time come when God cut them loose? Sure it did. Remember the sheet dropping down in front of Peter? Peter saw all the unclean animals, and God said, Peter, arise, kill, and eat. And Peter said what we should never say. No, Lord. And the Lord said, what was that? And he did it again. And he did it again. Why? Do not call what I have cleansed unclean. The point is, are you willing to follow God's direction? Will you accept what God lays out in your life, in my life? Will we fulfill that role that God lays out for us? Now, Scripture goes on and tells us, uh, verse 17, Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you. Now he's irritated. New subject. Not about that. He's irritated about something else. Now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together for the better, not for the better, but for the worse. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. What's he talking about? He's talking about their koinonia. What we're going to have today at 4 o'clock, that's what he's talking about. And when you guys come together, you're coming together... And you're doing all these things and they're not right. And you need to fix them. And since we're having koinonia today, what a perfect time to talk about how we ought to be when we come together. How we ought to behave when we come together for the love feast, for a time of sharing a meal, and for the, for the Lord's table, for communion. So here's what he lays out for us. The first problem that they had, the first issue, when they came together... They were segregated. They broke up according to rich and poor. And the rich actually would take their own food to their table. So they'd call for a potluck, and then the rich would have all the rich sit around the rich people's food. And the poor would all sit around their one piece of bread that they could afford to bring. And Paul's like, what are you guys doing? That's not a love feast. That's selfishness. That's... Being segregated. Now, what would we call it today? We call it being clicky, right? Dividing up into our cliques. Moving into to the... And the reality is, guys, listen, especially those who like to throw that word around, people hang out with who they feel comfortable with. Just because they hang out, they don't hang out with you. It might be they don't feel comfortable with you. What's the Bible say? If you want to have a friend, what should you do? Be a friend. Huh. So many times when we start throwing around that phrase, ah, this is clicky, it means I'm clicky. We're clicky. Now I need to change that. If I want to change that, I got to put myself out there. I got to go spread myself around, not segregated to where I feel comfortable, but moving out in places and among people that I, I don't feel comfortable. 
God gave me Kathy for that. If it wasn't for Kathy, I'd sit in a corner in a, in a fetus position and rock. Uh. <clears throat> but the Lord gave me Kathy, and she would come over to me, and that's how she found me in high school. Well, who's that guy rocking in the corner? <clears throat> Everybody say, well, I don't know who that is. And Kathy said, he's kind of cute. And they said, no way. <laughs> well, anyway, she went over and got that shy kid rocking out of the corner and drug him all over creation. <laughs> She's been doing it ever since. What I, what I love, will always love about my wife is she don't know a stranger. She will talk to anybody. She's willing to spend time with anybody. She's willing to, and she <clears throat> has worked hard tirelessly over the years to try to teach that to me when we come together this afternoon look for opportunity to get to know somebody new look for an opportunity to gather together and get to know the body you know i mean even how we sit in church huh we have sections don't we we have sections i only know one section guess what section i know the castle ford section there's a castle fort. I didn't know we had a castle fort section, but we do. <clears throat> and every one of you guys, I can always tell who's here and who's not here because you all have your pews. They may not have your name on them. <laughs> but if I come through here and move pews around, you should see all your faces. Where's our pew? <clears throat> we, we don't want to be segregated, but we want to gather together, be united, be unified together. We don't want to be selfish, but we want to think about the needs of others. Isn't that what he told us in chapter 10? Well, listen, what he, he goes on and says in verse 20, Therefore, when you come together in one place, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. Thank God that doesn't happen at our koinonia. We all gather together and just got lit. Man, no wonder Paul's having problems, huh? Listen, he says, guys, we're not supposed to get together to get drunk. We're supposed to get together and have fellowship. Be united. I had a great time at the progressive dinner, and I didn't even drink one time. There was a time in my life when I thought the only way I could have fun was if I was having a drink. But that's not true. Amazing. The lies that the enemy will tell you, right? No, man, we can, we can enjoy one another without that. We're not supposed to be getting drunk. Look what he says in verse 22. See if you can hear his voice. What? <clears throat> do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What's our reason for communion? There's the first part. To remember. To remember. We're to remember what it is that Christ has done for us. Take a look back and remember what Jesus has done. Remember. With the, where the Lord has brought us from. Remember where we came from and where we're going. 
Then in verse 25, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the new covenant of my blood. The next place we're supposed to look is in the present. This is the new covenant of my blood. We're supposed to realize that we are in a new situation with God and it's real and it's living and it's true. Right now, you have a relationship with the creator of all the universe. Our present reality, we're to look back and remember, we're to look right where we're at and and understand our present reality with, with the Lord. That this is the new covenant, the new promise in my blood This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Where do we look next? First, we look back, we remember, we look in the present, we understand our present reality, and then we look forward to his return. We look forward to his return. This is what communion is about. This is what it is all about when we come to the Lord's table, when we spend time at the Lord's table. Hey, I want to anticipate the Lord's return. That's what it is. I remember what Jesus has done. I understand the reality of the relationship I have in Christ, and I look forward to his return. That's what it is about. That's what that table is for. Therefore, whoever eats uh, eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Now, a lot of people, when they come to communion, they read this and they say, well, what are we supposed to do? We can't take communion because I'm unworthy. It didn't say whether you're worthy or not. What did it say? In an unworthy manner. What were the Corinthians doing? They're getting ripped. They're getting drunk and partaking of the Lord's Supper. That's an unworthy manner. They were, they were considering it a frivolous thing, unimportant. They weren't giving it the the worth, the value of what it's all about. But now you understand the value. Now you see the value. Remembering Christ, understanding our reality, looking forward to His return. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this reason, many are weak or sick among you, and many sleep. Because people don't give proper worth to remembering what Christ did, Understanding the reality of their relationship with him today and looking forward to his return. We, we lack the abilities to fulfill the things that God is calling us to do. But when you are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. So when Kathy and I are half hour late to the meal this afternoon, I'm going to check and see who's got a plate first. So Kathy promised me we're not going to be late. <clears throat> right, hon? Right. <clears throat> but if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. Hey, in all these things, whatever God is laying out for us, there is a role for each of us to fulfill. There's an opportunity for us to do that which God is calling us to do, if we're willing to accept it. If we're willing to receive it and say, yeah, this is my role. And I'm willing to submit to the Lord in that. And recognizing the value of being together. What does the Bible say in Hebrews? Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some. 
and so much more as you see that day approach. Jesus is coming back. We need to gather and be strong. Moving forward to attain victory. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this time we could come together, Lord. We thank you for an opportunity to, to just uh, take your word, Father God, and, and just make some decisions. Take inventory. Take a look at where we're at and where we're going. Are we remembering what you have done? Do we walk in the reality of our relationship with you that it is for today? Are we looking forward to your return? Are we willing to accept, God, the call that you have for us? The role that we fulfill? My place within the body. For it's not greater or lesser. It's just my place. Will I submit to you? Father, it's our prayer as we come before you that every man would desire to totally and completely submit himself utterly unto the Lord. That every woman would want to fulfill her role, the role that you have called her to. That we would all desire to come together, not independent of one another, but functioning as one, moving forward, accomplishing your goal. So that you would receive all praise and all glory for whatever is done. Lord God, we desire to glorify you, to experience more of you, to know more of you. But in order to move forward, we have to move forward in obedience. In order to have more, we have to realize that I have to accept what God is calling me to. How the Lord is directing me here. Lord, we ask that you would be glorified and magnified in this place. As we lay it out before you, Father, equip us by your Spirit to do what you're calling us to do. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to go ahead and close in worship. We invite the prayer counselors to come up. If there's anything you'd like to pray about, they'll be up front to, to pray with you. God bless you guys. Don't forget. Otherwise, there'll be a lot of roast beef for me to eat by myself. If you don't want to see me get any fatter than I am right now, please <clears throat> come and be a part of our corner this afternoon.